We're going live today, talking NFL, doing our normal Twitter Tuesday live episode that we like to do. Getting back to it, we've got some good questions about coaching, staff changes, who's going to benefit in the long term from new cultures with their franchise, and maybe some more summer trades to come before camp. All that more coming up on today's Peacock and Williams. You're listening to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show, your daily podcast on the National Football League, powered by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show. Brian Peacock and Matt Williamson with you at the Peacock at Williamson NFL. Some of those questions from today's show will come from those Twitter handles. You can at us anytime throughout the week if you want to holler or hit us on the YouTube comments. Locked on NFL channel is where we are located on the daily. And uh, of course, we'll jump into the live chat. If you've got any questions, you want to say hi, hit us there in the live chat as we go along today. Thanks for making Peacock and Williamson your first listen here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Matt, got a good question earlier on in the week that I want to start with to kick things off here. And uh, we will get into some trades and, you know, maybe is Jimmy G on the move? You mentioned Deontay Johnson from your Steelers. Maybe a little role play on what some of those uh, those trades might look like. And, and we can bounce some ideas off of each other if those trades could actually be in the cards and, and what those returns might be if those players are traded. But first, I want to get into some coaching changes around the league. And before uh, you do, I, I, I've been meaning to I wanted to make sure I, I should have told you this off the air, but I just wanted to throw this out there. After we went off the air last no- yesterday, it was announced that Matthew Barry is leaving ESPN, and uh, big deal. You know, I, I see your mouth agape over there. So, is that the first you've heard of it? I d- I did not hear that. Okay, it was late afternoon, and he announced that he is leaving ESPN uh, on good terms, all those good things. And I listened to his farewell podcast as I was taking my daughter and her friend to the local Kennywood, the local uh, amusement park and all that stuff. And it just kind of rung home to me because I remember doing my farewell pod. Not that I was ever at the level of popularity of Matthew Barry, but 12 years ago, my football today, farewell pod, you know, kind of almost crying on the air and how much fun it's been. And they've been successful that those it was, it started the same time my ESPN pod was started and they've kept trucking along and just blown things out. And I consider Matthew a friend and I'm sure he'll do awesome no matter where he is, but he's had a massive influence on not only the fantasy world, but the whole football world. Yeah. One of the first big uh, fantasy personalities. Yeah. yeah. And as far as, as far as I remember, correct me if I'm wrong, Matthew Barry was sort of trying to go the, uh, the, like become an actor, like a, tr- a true actor, right? At some point in his career before he started doing the fantasy stuff. And that's why he's just naturally like good on camera and has this, this mm-hmm. charisma. I- am I wrong on that? And I know he I'm did start some minor about, acting roles. I'm not certain about that. He has been in a few things since he's gotten super, super popular. And I didn't realize this. He was an intern for George Carlin, you know, like right out of, out of college, you know, so how awesome would that be? I mean, just oh, hang around with George Garland and tour wow. with him. Like you'd that would be a little bit. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. You'd a little bit. <laughs> yeah. That's you'd see all, everything. Yeah. Maybe he was a writer. Maybe he, he was a writer. A for, writer. Um, oh, what's the married to children. He was a, a he okay. did some episodes of married to children. In the yeah, yeah, it was a screenwriter yeah. then maybe not yeah. the actor part that I was thinking of for him, but whenever he, lets everybody know what his new gig is, we should have him on to, to publicize it. Absolutely. And chat about the old, the old uh, podcast days. Yeah. yeah. And I just want to throw that out there and I have great respect for him and his work. And one just quick story. I remember it was like my, I don't know, fourth year at ESPN, something like that. 
And I remember, you know, his podcast was starting to kick off and there was more and more fantasy content on ESPN. And I went to the editors. I'm like, hey, I I have a a dynasty and a big fantasy background. You want me to do an article a week for fantasy? And I've told the story before, but they basically told me, Williamson, you are you are a scout in the league. That's beneath you. Don't do that. You know, fantasy (laughs) is never going to be that big. I'm like, okay, no problem. You know, but (laughs) Matthew changed that. Turned out to be pretty big. Yeah, Yeah, pretty big. Uh, Canuck says, jump on to say thanks for your pod. One of my favorites. We appreciate you. Jason says, first time watching, always listen to the pod. All right. Nice. We, got, we got to grow the, the YouTube channel thing. And it, it is fun to do the live occasionally. Mark says, you guys rock. Keep it up. So appreciate everybody. Yeah, he's right. The live chat and hanging out a little bit of breaking news here from, mm. uh, from field Yates. As we go live was uh, Panthers GM. Scott Fitterer said on Baker Mayfield, whether he is the starting quarterback, Quote, this is an open competition. What do you think? Okay. It kinda, I, does it, does it kind of have to be, even though we all know who's going to win that open competition? Does it, does, he so, have to that? does it have to start that way because of, you know, this team that already had a, a rapport going and everyone else has been in OTAs. A guy just gets dropped in in July and is the new starter. You kind of have to compete a little bit, but I, I have a feeling it'll take about a week to figure that out. I think so, too. I mean, I think it's wink, wink. We have a, a contest here. Now, I used to be a Sam Darnold apologist. I can't be anymore. But his situations were awful in New York and nearly as bad behind that Carolina offensive line. Maybe he's going to be a little better. Baker aside, maybe. I've given this some thought since Friday, and we talked wide receivers yesterday, so we didn't go down this road. But a couple things stand out to me is I thought maybe Darnold would then get traded to Tampa or Kansas City or Buffalo or something like that. But the more I thought about it, if I'm the Panthers, I'd have to eat the majority of his contract, don't you think? I mean, at least as much as Cleveland did. More than Cleveland, probably. Yeah. And I'm going to get a lesser pick than I gave up for Mayfield. So for a sixth or seventh round pick and – saving three million in cap space or a million in cap space why not hold on to the guy you know yeah. it's not i mean it, it, you're just not getting anything in return you have a good backup uh iron sharpens iron at least you make yeah. mayfield win the job maybe darnold is turns out to be better maybe it makes darnold better maybe it makes both of them better to have that competition um maybe darnold plays well enough or even just doesn't have to play that well but signs a contract in the offseason you get a sixth round comp pick anyway so exactly. what are you really what are you really gaining Exactly. And a couple other things of note in that situation is I didn't realize this. It's not, you know, it doesn't affect his play on the field, but he's wildly popular in a Garoppolo type of way. Like he's a positive influence on the team in the locker room. They want him around as opposed to, you got to get this guy out of here. That's not the situation at all. And I also think it's telling Mayfield didn't have to give up that three and a half million dollars in his pocket. And he did. I assume he thinks he's going to be the starter. Yes. And at least betting on himself to earn that three and a half million dollars. And then whatever, you know, comes next off season. Uh, I wonder if there was, and I don't even know if this is legal to do, but could Baker Mayfield have said, look, I'll take this pay cut, but you can't franchise tag me. Cause that would make a lot of sense because then you'd be making yourself future Mm -hmm. money and not allowing this team that just traded for you. And you took a pay cut to go there to be the starter for one year to hold that over your head and then franchise tag you. And then you're, you're not a free agent. Like you want to be, the next off season. I wonder if that's a possibility. I wonder if that's something that Jimmy G could do as well. If he ends up on the trade market. Right. I mean, if a new team were to franchise Baker or Jimmy, wherever he lands, 
well, that means he had a good year. You know, you know I mean, it, 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 he wasn't a flop. The team won some games. They're not picking in the top five and looking at Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud or whatever. So your, your stock went up, if that's even on the table. I wish I knew that legally. I mean, I bet you can't put that in a contract, but maybe you could shake the GM's hand or owner's hand and say, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm making a, a deal for, that's good for both sides. Don't franchise me, all right? I'm like, okay, that's cool. I don't know if that's legal or not. I really don't. Yeah, even if it's not part of the CBA, at least a wink-wink handshake mm-hmm. deal or something like that. Um, Jason asks, is Baker supposed to be ready by the start of the season? Did he have shoulder surgery? He did have shoulder surgery. It was to his non-throwing shoulder. By all reports, I thought he was going to be cleared and ready to go and already throwing, but I don't know. I haven't really seen any um, any reports on that, but I think the timeline was that he's going to be 100% before camp. And again, it's not a sh- throwing shoulder. So um, uh, let's see the... Yeah, I was I'm, hoping you'd know that answer because yeah, I've, I've seen nothing about him being even in doubt, you know, right. because he had several injuries since the shoulder, which happened week two or three. It was his left shoulder, um, but it certainly bothered him. I mean, I heard reports like he couldn't sleep and, you know, I mean, it, it would be it would really hinder your career and your season. But I've heard nothing of the sort that they expect him not to be ready. A great quote here from Baker Mayfield talking about the opener because the Panthers and and Browns play each other week one, yeah, September yeah, yeah. 11. And Baker Mayfield's quote on that was, I'm not going to sit here and be a robot and tell you that's not one I've marked on the calendar already. One, that's not who I am. To me, it's about winning games. Whoever we have marked on the schedule, I'm going to try to win. Obviously, this one is a little bit more history and personal meaning. But for me, it's about winning and setting the tone for the rest of the year. And however I can help this team do that, I'm going to do it. Uh, so it sounds like he's going to be playing in week one. And uh, yeah, I haven't heard anything that there's anything going on with his shoulder that will that will keep him out at all. So I think the only thing to keep him out is if he can't win the starting job in a six week stretch. You know, yeah. he's getting to the game pretty late. And I think, yeah, that that's the biggest part of it yeah. is you can't have your starting quarterback taking the the first team reps on the first day of camp, not know where to go to the football and, and not really have right. a, a really I don't know the protections or, you know, that's really important. hard for him. So that, that might take a, a couple of weeks. So maybe they, they throw Sam Darnold out there um, in the first preseason game, and then they give Dar- uh, Mayfield a shot. And, you know, so he has full, what? Yeah. Six weeks, a month to, to really start to get things down. Mm-hmm. This is a, an angle that fans don't think about a lot, but coaches very much do. And then in turn front offices do. And Williamson will always be right back to the Steelers. But uh, divvying out practice reps and preseason reps for your quarterback, you better have a pretty distinct plan. And I bring up the Steelers because Mason Rudolph's going to get some snaps. They're going to get Trubisky ready for week one as the starter, but use the first-round pick on Kenny Pickett. And I hate to bring this up, you planned on having Dwayne Haskins too, you know, I mean, and Carolina is similar all of a sudden. I mean, you want Matt Corral to get a lot of preseason work and practice work, but Darnold as it stands right now, wink, wink is your starter. You know, if you play the game today, he's your week one guy. So he needs some time with the ones, but you better get Baker ready kind of in a Trubisky manner, but you have less time to do it. So there's a lot less practice time, and preseason game reps than people realize. And you don't want to throw Baker out there behind the third offensive line in the fourth quarter of week two in the preseason. So you really need to figure out where these guys get their reps. It's hard to do. And they did just wave whoever their other last camp arm was. 
uh, the quarterback. Was it PJ Walker? No, it was. And he's there still. He should go to the Niners. They, they still have four now because they had five for a bit. And it yeah. was like somebody, I think, from Elon College. Okay. Okay. He's a, you know, college undrafted free agent. So PJ Walker's probably not going to make the team either. And he's right. not a nobody. No. And so, yeah, no, it's funny because you need a camp arm so the, the guys don't throw too much and hurt their arms. Mm-hmm. You need a lot of guys to get a lot of reps, especially on that roster right now with with uh, Mayfield learning the, the system. And you got a rookie quarterback that's trying to learn the system and, and you got to get him ready and find out what he is for your plan next year. Yeah, it's hard on the quarterback coach, but it's harder on the head coach to say, man, I, I, I'm i sorry, Sam, but you got to run with the threes today or you, you or you're the one today or. There's only three preseason games. How are we going to figure this out? And again, those fourth quarter reps aren't that valuable. So let's flip the order here and we'll talk about the coaching changes last. And let's continue our conversation about trades. And we just talked about the Baker Mayfield trade that did happen. A couple of trades that maybe could happen throughout the summer with Jimmy Garoppolo and Deontay Johnson. We have uh, you know a lot of knowledge about those two teams. We've had some questions about those two players and we'll get into that next and we'll talk about which teams help themselves the most changing culture with their new coaching staffs this offseason going into 2022 but we gotta let the folks out there know about bet online you want to bet on baker mayfield and those panthers you can do it at least in week one uh it's going to be a huge matchup in week one and they've already got the odds all the way through week 18 for a lot of games at bet online your number one source for all your betting needs and sports information you can even bet on exact super bowl matchups if you think it's going to be the pittsburgh steelers against the san francisco 49ers you can bet on that exact super bowl matchup at bet online tons of props and odds for the 2022 season latest sports developments league reviews major league baseball all summer long we've got boxing mma golf live betting esports scores and even vegas casino games as well so go lay down a bet and then play some poker blackjack while you wait for that game to end and see if you won yourself a little bit of cash. Go to Bet Online right now. The fastest is an easiest way to check all your favorite sports and events. Get to the website or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action at Bet Online, where the game starts. Thanks again, everybody, for making Peacock and Williamson your first listen. A very special event going on on the network starting July 18th. That is next Monday. Locked On gives you the 50 most valuable players in the NFL from the odds makers at Bet Online. Available July 18th on the Locked On NFL channel, wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube, which is the same place you find this podcast, Peacock and Williamson, on YouTube as well, the Locked On NFL channel. Okay. We had a question after yesterday's show because you dropped a little nugget there, Matt. And this is from Shantanu on Twitter. He says, Matt, you're killing me. How could you mention a Deontay Johnson trade rumor and not speculate on what the Steelers could get back? Could a mid-round pick in 2023 matter now? The Ravens got a first for Marquise Brown this year. I may be a homer, but I think DJ is better and will put up much better numbers with better quarterback play. All right. Um, First of all, you're not wrong about them getting a first for Marquise Brown, but they also had to throw a three in that deal. So it wasn't a one for Marquise straight up, but I, I see where you're going with this. And that was also on draft day and trades happen a little different on draft day than they do in the off season. I would argue that um, Deontay's worth more than Marquise, but they're not, you know, light years apart. I said that because people have been asking me about this rumor speculation for a couple of days now. And the rumor is Dallas is interested in sending their second to the Steelers for Deontay next year. And to me, that's not enough from where the Steelers sit right now. Maybe at the trade deadline, if things have gone terribly wrong 
and he's not under contract, I would consider that. I rebutted it on Twitter, Twitter saying, throw me Jalen Tolbert in a two, and I'll think about it. And I get the impression the Steelers are might be one of these teams that are more draft and then let receivers go on their way, you know, Pickens and these guys, as opposed to making someone a $20 million man. I don't know that Deontay would be quite in that neighborhood. But he's really good, and I think he's going to be highly productive and will have a higher average depth of target, maybe a few fewer um, targets in general than Ben just getting it out of his hand, slant to Deontay over and over. But this, there's no merit behind this. This is just some somebody threw it out there, and people keep asking me about it. I don't know if there's any truth to the rumor. You know, It's interesting because I can see the Steelers being in a spot with Deontay Johnson where he's going to command more money than they would want to spend. They draft yeah. two wide receivers this year. Uh, but it seems like something that would happen next offseason where they would let him go or, you know, uh, maybe I would franchise him, franchise him for another. Yeah, right. And, See if where he, it goes. You know, and if he fights that, then maybe you can work out a, a tag and trade sort of a deal. So they still have some some control contractually if they want to. Um, but Deontay Johnson's a really good player. And it seems like if that was something they would have done, now's the worst time to do it from the Steelers. Right, exactly. It would have been a draft day trade, and they would have a different player already in-house that they'd have gotten the picks for. And it would be, you know, I'm sure there was enough teams willing to do some trades. And um, with everything that went down draft night, it seems like they would have gotten something already if that's what they wanted to do. See, to me, this probably comes more from the Dallas side of things. And again, there might not be any validity to it. But if you're Dallas, it sounds like Gallup's not going to play until November, maybe late October at best. You have former Steeler James Washington. You have Tolbert. Um, even uh, the, what's-his-face signed with Miami. It was their third or fourth. Cedric Wilson. I, I've talked about Schultz in my tight end rankings. I don't think he's a featured player. And I love the Lamb situation, but they're kind of a receiver short right now, especially right. from where they've been. I'm sure there's a price nest, you know, for everybody mm-hmm. in a certain way. But if the, the Cowboys were looking at their roster before camp and thinking, man, let's let's call the Steelers. Maybe they want to do something with uh, with Deontay Johnson and offer a second. Steelers said, no, you know, maybe that's where this is coming from. But that uh, might be it, uh, right. the Cowboys exploring some options and who knows. Wouldn't be shocked at all if the Cowboys did add a wide receiver before camp. But I would be a little bit surprised the timing of a Deontay, Deontay Johnson trade right now. Yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense for the Steelers, who probably aren't a Super Bowl contender but they're not blowing things up either. You know, they're not a three-win team. That's just not how they operate. I mean, they're they're not dumping everybody. There's no right. chance. A lot of talk about a Jimmy G trade potentially happening. There was a report, multiple reports, uh, Tom Pelissero and uh, an ESPN report that, you know, that they're that league executives expect a Jimmy Garoppolo trade at some point before the end of the month. And that shouldn't mm-hmm. really be a shocking report having a hard time trying to figure out what he could get. Do you think the 49ers can get can th- do you think the argument from the 49ers side is look, we don't have to pay any money. That's on you and Jimmy if he wants to take a pay cut, but we want that, you know, we want something that's better than a comp third that we could get if we carried him all year. And I don't think the 49ers are going to carry him all year, but do you think that's the asking price? Do you think it's better what the what the 49ers could get back for Jimmy from Cleveland is better they can get more than what Cleveland gave up? They got yeah. back Mayfield. So, you know, if Cleveland calls and says, Hey, we need you to take, we need you to eat 10 and a half million. And here's a, a fifth that it could become a fourth. The 49ers are like, no, we, the, the cap space is more valuable than that fifth round pick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's a sticky part of it. I do think no matter what happens and you threw this out there and we've talked about it a couple times, 
it's going to be a conditional pick. You know, I mean, we've seen that be a trend with Wentz and now Baker and all these guys where the future is uncertain. You know, if you start X amount of games or if the Browns go to the playoffs with or without you, this escalates to a higher pick. Um, I don't know. I mean, because what's hairy about the Browns situation is you don't have much draft capital over the next couple of years. I don't really want to lose a lot or substantial draft capital going from Baker to Jimmy. I mean, if that was an even wash, sure. But you're dealing with two different parties here. And if I'm the Niners, I want more than what you just got for Baker for sure. Right. Yeah. And the cap space is valuable. And so it is. If you're eating a lot then you got to get something back and the 49ers don't have the guarantees in Jimmy's contract like the Browns did. So I think the, mm-hmm. the 49ers are argue they don't have to, you know, pay anything um, in, you know, and maybe but if only negotiating with one team. That's the problem. Right. And then, but there's a report about maybe the Seahawks being interested, but yeah, I think yeah. it's still most likely it's a, it's a, it's a situation where Jimmy gets released and then someone signs him. I think it's probably the way things go, but I'm sure the agent would be involved either way. And maybe it's the same, Maybe it's the same deal. You know, it's just like, here's a later pick. You're going to get the same contract and take mm-hmm. a pick that, that you would have gotten. The Niners get a little something, but don't have to pay any money. Then it starts to make a little bit more sense. A lot of this has just been a game of chicken. You know, that we only know there's a couple of suitors. There's only a couple quarterbacks. One domino fell with Carolina. And, you know, I just said, if I'm the Niners, I want more from the Browns than they gave up from, or they got from Mayfield. But if my options, when it comes down to it, are, get a six round pick or cut him. I'll take the six round pick. Cause he doesn't even factor in the comp game after you cut him. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if Jimmy would even show up to training camp at this point. I don't know if he wants to go through that. Although $25 million, depending on what the pay cut would be, maybe he is, uh, maybe he would be willing to go to camp if he mm-hmm. was going to have to take, you know, $6 million to be a, a, in a competition somewhere else. All right. Next let's talk. Coaching changes, which teams help themselves the most with those coaching changes and any other questions that pop up in the chat. But first, I want to let the folks know about Rock Auto. Our friends at Rock Auto have helped me out so much, and I'm glad I learned about them because you save time and money when using Rock Auto. And you can do more repairs on your vehicle than you probably realize, even if you're not a car guy, as I am, as I learned recently. And you can save a ton of money because you're not paying someone else's labor and you're definitely not paying the 50 to 100% markup for the same parts from a chain store or a car dealership. For example, Honda Odyssey fuel pump, $353 from your local chain store. It's only $216 from rockauto.com. But even smaller part, you don't change a a tail lamp or, you know, motor oil, or for me, I changed the fender flare, changed my wiper blades, you know, new carpet for your interior. Uh, there's a lot of things you can do to fix up your vehicle yourself. And Rock Auto has been helping people do it as a family business for over 20 years. Rock Auto prices always reliably low for every customer. So go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck, right? Locked on in there. How did you hear about us box? So they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. This question earlier on in the week on Twitter from Josh. And Josh says, what say you? Which teams improved most purely on coaching changes in 2022? And really, this goes beyond 2022 if you're talking about coaching changes. So here's the list of coaches from uh, uh, originally this question was posed from Warren Sharp. And Joshua Reddy wanted our opinion on it. In Chicago, Matt Nagy to Aberflus. In Denver, Fangio to Hackett. Houston, Coley to Lovey Smith. 
In Jacksonville, Urban Meyer to Doug Peterson. Las Vegas, Gruden to Josh McDaniels. In Miami, it was Flores to Mike McDaniel. No S on the McDaniel. S on the Mc- Josh McDaniels. I screwed that up a lot, by the way. I screwed that one up, too. I-, <laughs> I avoided. I'm sometimes I'll say the former Patriot offensive coordinator. That, that was kind of yeah. Yeah. <laughs> In uh, Minnesota, Mike Zimmer to O'Connell. In New Orleans, Sean Payton to Allen. In New York, Joe Judge to Brian Dable. And in Tampa Bay, Arians to Bowles. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to eliminate a few right away because – yeah. Going from Sean Payton to anybody can't be an improvement. You're, you're no. hoping to stay the same, you know, because you got the same defensive coordinator, same system. Uh, Arians to Bulls is, again, that, that what you know, and Arians is still in the building. I think that's not going to change a lot there. So I don't think that'll be the answer. Um, I think you have to lump Houston with that, too, because yeah, you're that, bumping the defensive coordinator. There's not enough change to matter. Right, Cole and it's to not Smith. Belichick retiring, you know. I mean, it's, right, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think that one's going to change a ton. I think they're just going to be better because they're you know starting to build the roster now. Mm-hmm. And so now we're talking Denver Fangio to Hackett. I have no idea what to think about Hackett. They're going to improve because of the quarterback they got, if anything, right. more so than than the coach. But maybe you know, coach, quarterback, everything. Um, I would assume the offense can be a lot better. I'd be worried if the defense takes a step back. Yeah, I bet Vic would be like. I wouldn't have mind coaching Russell Wilson. <laughs> you know, like now you could have done that a year ago. Um, I do think the defense goes backwards because I think he's an exceptional top 1% defensive mind type of guy. But the offense is definitely going to get better. Um, and in the end, I think the team's in a better spot. But Fangio, Flores, Zimmer, Gruden. I believe all those guys, especially the last three I mentioned, are quality NFL head coaches. You know, like, I don't know that the new guy's better. I mean, Gruden's won a lot of games this league. Zimmer's won a lot of games this league. Flores and Fangio, to me, are very impressive, especially defensive minds. So I appreciate the new hires, especially in Vegas and Miami. But I don't know that the new guy's better in that instance. I don't know that. Canuck says the answer is the Dolphins. Ah, uh, that's tough uh, because, yeah. I, you, they you also gotta, have Tyree Kill and Armstead, and I bet Flores would have liked those guys too, you know? <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, actually he recants and says Jacksonville. Jacksonville is a big one because uh, I, I want to look yes. at culture because culture is a is a big part of all this. Uh, I think things were bad in Chicago with Nagy, not necessarily negative culture like it was with Urban Meyer, but I just think it has a chance to be, you know, you bring in a professional coach, and I don't know what Matt Eberflus is going to look like as a head coach, and their their roster didn't really improve much over the course of the offseason, didn't have a first-round pick, didn't help out their young quarterback on the offensive line or at wide receiver much. They did add some pieces in the draft and but didn't do much of free agency either so i don't know if it's going to be in wins and losses now but potentially going forward uh if they change the culture i think that could be big and maybe bigger than we're than we're expecting from a bears roster that doesn't look great but really the meyer to peterson could be the biggest one on this list just changing the culture is so important for the jags right now Right before we hit record, you mentioned that this was going to be a question. So I've been kind of kicking it around in my cranium as we've talked about other things. And the real answers to me are very much what you said. It's Jacksonville and the Giants. I mean, in the last five years, they're by far the losingest teams in the NFL. I mean, a five-year stretch, it's been four. And I think the Jags have one winning season in 14 years. And the Giants are pretty much going down that path post Eli, you know, post in and spend, that's a long time. Now I put the bears just outside that because 
I got no problem with Eberflus, but he just doesn't move the needle enough for me. I, I think the other two guys, Dayball and Peterson, again, I haven't seen uh, Peterson or Dayball as a head coach, but I like. I think those are improvements. Those are great hires, in my opinion. I think their rosters in New York and Jacksonville are better than when we saw them last. I'm not sure I can say that about the Bears. So I don't know that Eberflus is the answer. I think the other two guys are. I actually, you talked about, you know, bet online. I put a little nugget on Jacksonville plus 700 to win the AFC South. Plus 700, that's pretty appealing. And I urge everyone to watch the, listen to the Jacksonville art uh, podcast we did last week, too. It gives you a little glimmer of hope. And I hadn't seen it in that light before. Yeah, yeah. It did give me a lot of hope talking to Tony Wiggins, mm-hmm. blocked on Jaguars. It's a good podcast. And th- there is some talent on the roster. And man, if you did get that superstar quarterback who's going into year two, and we've seen guys win MVPs and go to the Super Bowl in year two, right? Because when it happens, it happens fast for teams. I don't know if it's going to be that way for Jacksonville. You know, maybe, maybe it's another year before things really start rolling for them. But I got to put them number one just on culture alone, going from yeah. Meyer to a professional coach that's won before, has a ring in Doug Peterson. Um, and then Dable, I think, is, is right there too. Judge to Dable, I think. Is a, is a big one, and then I'd probably put Nagy to Aberflus three on that list, and then some of them are just incomplete because we just don't know enough about the situations, and the situations before weren't that bad. Maybe maybe Gruden because Las Vegas with everything they went through, just the headlines. Just a brutal year. Josh McDaniels, and yeah. if McDaniels does, you know, he's probably grown a lot as a coach since we last saw his, uh, you know, his weird sort of circus as like, you know, flirting with head coaching jobs and then actually having a head coaching job for a short time. And, you know, if he brings that Patriot way, but we've seen so many failed Patriots assistants trying to bring that Belichick style of, of coaching to a different team. It just hasn't worked that often. So um, I don't know what to expect there, but I put, I put McDaniels just because of the culture and how things were weird and the Gruden firing and everything's been going on in Las Vegas for the last couple of years. I'd probably put them maybe fourth. Yeah, I hear that, especially because last year was so bizarre. I mean, you throw in the rug stuff and things like that, too. I mean, they've been an extreme organization since Al Davis started them. And last year was as weird a year in Raiders history as there ever was. But Josh McDaniels should be thrilled if whenever he hangs it up as a coach, he has as good a career as John Gruden did. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Like, that's, that's not a bad coach. That's true. That's very true. Uh, last one really quick here. Uh, this one from Vieta on the chat. He says, with the cap expected to grow dramatically, does the cap really matter in the next year or two, Matt? I mean, we've seen teams like the Saints circumvent it for some time now, and eventually you're going to have to pay the fiddler. I've tried to do more and more cap research and get more knowledgeable on it, but it's I, I look at it more from where would I spend my money? I mean, you know, receivers are jumped up dramatically. Are safeties a bargain? Things like that. Should I use a first round pick on a guard if I can get a high end one? It's you know, Lake and Tomlinson for eight million. Why would I use a first round pick on that if I can't get a tackle for that price? I think it really matters. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I think it's always mattered less than some of us probably hint around. You know, like uh, one of my favorite things is, you, you know, as soon as the season ends. Everyone goes to overthecap.com and be like, all these teams are minus 50 million under the cap. And well, they knew it was coming. I mean, it's not as big an obstacle as as us fans think. You know what I mean? It's funny because there were some remember the cap hell era? There were yeah. some teams in the early 2000s that couldn't figure out the cap and would have to just cut everybody, can barely put together a roster. Right. Teams are a lot better now at maneuvering those numbers and have a lot smarter. Oh, people. yeah. 
that that are controlling the cap numbers and the cap game, and it's it's not as big of a of a deal. And with it growing, it's going to help. But they're also give they know it's coming. We saw a lot of teams give out really big contracts. To really big contracts. Maybe don't always get paid a lot. So if you're going to start paying safeties a whole bunch and tight ends a whole bunch and wide receivers a whole bunch, it's not like defensive ends and offensive tackles and quarterbacks are, are going to start getting paid less either. Oh, right. So like the, they're the, the stars are getting paid a lot too. So it's, it's going to go up along with the cap. So it'll always matter a little bit, but probably less than we all expect. And uh, the, the fact that it goes up is going to help obviously relieve those. And I think the worst we've seen was, you know, after the COVID year with the cap, not going up and it didn't even hurt that much then. So it's mm. probably not going to be a problem for most teams. You want to collect talent, worry about how much they're making later. Yeah. That was the one thing I was to throw out is assuming these capologists and front office people are close to seeing where the cap's going year after year after year. And it doesn't take another step, step back. You know, it, I'm not going to fight you that the the COVID thing didn't affect things. As fans, we didn't see the difference, but a lot of teams were unable to make moves that they had planned on two years in advance. I mean, yes. the cap's almost like a chess game. Like I'm going to get my pawns out there, and am I going to get my you know two years down the road, I'm going to get this rook down in whatever. I don't know how to play chess, but <laughs> and, and all of a sudden somebody comes and steps on the chessboard. You know, like we need to as long as there's no other speed bumps. In, yeah, in, in, in the end, it was the players that still, you know, got hurt more than the teams because there was a bunch of guys oh, that yeah. signed those one-year deals that they probably would have gotten multi-year deals. And some of those guys had to go through a season of one-year deal. Then they got paid this offseason instead. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, the teams always, are never going to get hurt. It's always going to get passed down to the, the players in a certain way. So cap goes up, players make more, teams stay the same, I think, is pretty much what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. But I think it goes up dramatically in the next couple of years, too. Yeah. You know, to the question's point, I mean, teams are going to have a lot of freedom. A lot of freedom, a lot of different ways to build rosters. And we've already seen right now that we've hit the era of um, maybe it's better to, to pay star players than to try to just slow rebuild because that's difficult. You got a lot of things got to go right and you got to hit on a lot of things. But at the same time, when you start paying your quarterback 40, 50 million dollars, you got to lose players like Tyree Kill too. So there's some reality to the cap. Oh, yeah, yeah, there is. All right, fantastic stuff. Thanks, everybody, who jumped on with us live. We'll be trying to do that in on Tuesdays as we get ready for camp. But we've got some vacations coming, and we've got some, uh, some odd scheduling as well. But it's always a lot of fun to jump on live and chat with you back tomorrow. Peacock and Williamson.